Hi, my name is Sharia, and you're listening to a brand new episode of The Aviation Files, a podcast for all aviation enthusiasts. Today, I have a slightly longer but very special episode planned for you because I have a very special guest coming on to the show today. If you've ever seen those little airplane toys at airports or have been into aircraft model collecting, chances are you have experienced a product of Daron Worldwide Trading. Daron Worldwide Trading is if is one of, if not the largest manufacturer and distributor of airplane models and toys. Today, we have a very important guest on the show. Please welcome the Vice President of Operations and Technology at Daron, Mr. Paul Wettstein. Hi, Mr. Wettstein. Um, who are you and what is your role at Daron Worldwide Trading? Um... My role is a Vice President of Operations and Technology. Um, I've been with the company since the very early days. I've been here 28 and a half years. Wow. Uh, so I have a long history in the industry. And my role is to basically uh, handle all the operations, including um, purchasing and distribution of our products. Oh, cool. That's perfect. I had a lot of questions about that. Um, and so just so that we can give the, uh, the listeners a quick background on Darren, um, what exactly does your company do? Well, our specialty is transportation collectibles. Uh, so we started out in the very early days uh, buying and selling model airplanes and importing them into the United States and distributing them. And over time, we've become a leader in the industry, uh, holding the licenses for the models themselves, creating our own brands such as Posted Stamp, Skymark, uh, Executive Series, Dayron Toys. Um, so there's a lot of product that is 100% under our control, our license agreements with the various parties. Um, so we specialize in stocking and distributing those models and make them available to the public. Got it. And may I ask how and why Airplane Models was your first thing to go to for the company? And like, because there's not many companies out there that are doing this type of thing. So why was this your first thought or one of your thoughts? Excuse me, actually, the, um, the two brothers who were David and Ronald who started the business, therefore, they were on Worldwide Trading, mm-hmm. started out in the air freight and ocean freight business. Their father actually had uh, his own air freight and ocean freight business for his career. And they came across the airplane models um, being distributed by some of the brands that were out there and selling them to the airlines. Mm-hmm. So they were themselves aviation enthusiasts and decided to solicit those companies to see if they had anybody distributing their models within the United States of America. So a lot of those companies were only making the models for the airlines as premium business and didn't really have a distributor. So they set up those relationships with the manufacturers and started importing, stocking, and selling the models to uh, airlines, collectors, and a lot of airport shops. May I ask, like, around what year this was and when this started? Um, officially in the late 1980s, but really 1990, 1991 was really when the company first started doing business. So in this industry, where do you think the greatest potential lies for a company such as yourselves or any new company? You know, where is the uh, biggest area for growth? That's a question we probably ask ourselves almost every day. Um, we are always trying to figure out what the best direction is, and as well as our partners such as Herpa and Gemini Jets. Mm-hmm. We listen to the collectors. We do get a lot of consumer emails asking for product. The airlines really drive the business. A lot of the licensing um, that we deal with, for instance, ask us to do particular aircraft because they want it on the market. They want it in their airline program. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is based on what the public says as well as what the licensing companies say. Here's the artwork for a new plane we're coming out with. We'd like to order, have it available to our employees. So a lot of it is driven by just basically feedback from people in general, as well as the licensing department. Got it. So you mentioned licensing, and I just want to ask, like, what's the process that goes into that? It's like, how do you approach an airline and ask for licensing to use their, like, livery? Um, There are programs available. You really have to be an established brand. You have to have um, licenses from the 
the Boeings and the Airbuses and the Lockheed Martins of the world for whatever type of aircraft that you're producing. So it is a pretty convoluted and, and difficult and expensive process. We spend more money on the legal part of the business and the licensing part of the business as one of our major expenses to bringing a model to market. Unfortunately, that does add to a lot of the costs involved in what the consumer ends up paying. So it is a very difficult process. So for Daron, um, why did you pick New Jersey, Miami, and Las Vegas for your airplane shops? And can we ex expect to see more airplane shops uh, pop up across the country? Well, first of all, the company originally was on Long Island. Ronald and David moved to New Jersey from Long Island for personal reasons and decided to open up his distribution center here in Fairfield, which was close to where he was living at the time. And part of that process was he knew that the collectors were wanting a place that they could come to visit uh, and buy models from the company. So we came up with the idea of creating the first airplane shop at our original location here in Fairfield as a store where people can walk in and they could buy models. And it was a pretty decent success. I don't want to say it could have been a standalone operation, but it was part of our operation as it is today. We dedicated some space. We, we know the customers appreciate that. And Gemini Jets in Las Vegas is our partner for the airplane shop in Las Vegas. And Atlantic Models in Miami is our partner for Atlantic Models in, uh, for Airplane Shop in Miami. So we partnered with two other people in the industry who already had airplane models and already had space in their operation for a store. Mm. Since then, Miami location has moved several times to more of a standalone operation uh, with a storefront rather than being inside their actual manufacturing facility or distribution facility. But the Las Vegas operation for Airplane Shop is in the headquarters of Gemini Jets. So it just made sense for us to all partner together, being that we were all working together already to open those facilities since the space was already there. I see. Um, and I think I asked this before, but I'll ask it again. Uh, is there any uh, prospect of any other um, storefronts opening anywhere in the country? We get that, that question probably more from collectors than anybody. Like, you know, why don't you have one in Chicago or Dallas or Los Angeles? And the, the straight answer is, unless it's going to be part of a distribution center where you're not paying retail rent in a mall or in a strip mall, it's very hard to have enough demand of walk-in business to have a standalone store. And if you know anything about the industry of the hobby business or the toy business, uh, there used to be thousands of uh, retail locations across the country, people who had their own standalone stores for just general merchandise, and you know, you see malls even now struggling to have yeah. those retailers. So it's really about how much expenses for paying rent and for paying overhead for employees that a standalone store unless it's somehow in cooperation with an app a distribution like Gemini Jets has in Las Vegas it really would not be able to survive and make a profit uh, we actually at one point had a mall location in Roosevelt Field Mall um, oh. it was a uh, one of those standalone credenzas and we did very well with it but because of the number of hours you had to be open at a mall and how much the rent was it wasn't profitable Right. No, that, that makes sense. We actually had two stores at JFK Airport at one point in coordination with the JFK Airport Authority. Oh, wow. Back in That's the late 90s. Really cool. Back in the late 90s when they had the old terminal number four, we had mm -hmm. two stores there. If it wasn't for a fact that the partnership was with the Airport Authority and only a temporary situation, they could not give us a long-term lease, it would not have been profitable either. If you pay airport rent like the um, airport shops do, you have to mark things up a lot higher than normal. And that's not fair to the consumer to be paying. You would not be able to buy our collectible product in the airport because it's just way too expensive. Yeah, you, you talked about your partner in the industry. And so I know you guys get planes from manufacturers all over the world, like Herpa and uh, Gemini Jets. 
So how do you guys manage uh, decide which ones you want to keep and which ones like you know you're not going to keep of that business? And how do you handle all of that inventory because it must be like a lot, right? The collectibles don't take up as much space as uh, say uh, toys because the toys are uh, by the container and、mm-hmm. the collectibles move from month to month. So you know we get in inventory every month fairly equal to what we sell every month. It, it is a it is a balance. You have to manage it very well. Harpo announces their releases and Gemini announces the releases and we carry everything. In those scales that they offer, sometimes the availability is limited. So we may say we want 200 pieces of model, and we may not be able to get 200 pieces of model because of the、uh, quantity that they've decided they want to keep it as a limited edition. Some inkling as to whether or not a model is going to sell based on the subject matter, but it is hard to tell. So you mentioned that you do your own research and have your own data of like what you might expect to do well. How do you like、uh, come up with that data? Do you conduct like research or surveys, or like do you interact with like certain focus groups? How do you collect that data?、Um, that's a tricky question because. What we usually do is we try to per,、um, have subject matter that's relevant to what's currently flying. But when we look、mm-hmm. for a historical aircraft, we usually look for something that's going. We feel is going to be sold. If we see it sells well in Gemini jets, we'll know it probably will sell well in Skymarks. And if we see it sells well in Herpa, Gemini will also think it'll sell well in Gemini. So it's a little bit of market based on who's released the model first and whether or not that particular airline sells. For instance, Pan Am's been out of business for 31 years, but almost everything in Pan Am, whatever scale you come out with, whatever brand. Comes out with it sells pretty well,、right. so we know that historically speaking, you look at aircraft that have some significance, whether they were widely used by a lot of airlines, they were popular with previous releases that have come out. But when people buy what they see, so like for instance, the rule of thumb is normally like school buses sell because kids kids ride school bus. So it's the same thing in aviation. What sells is normally what's currently flying and major carriers. People like the bigger airplanes, Airbus A380s and. 787s and 777s happen to be the most popular body style, regardless of what airline comes out. So、um, we do get feedback, like I said, sometimes from emails, like from people like yourself, that say, "Hey, I really like you to see you do this particular livery or this particular airline." But the minimums preclude us from doing every single model that's out there because there are productions of 500 to maybe as much as 2,500 models that you have to produce at a time, depending on the brand. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. So I, I want to ask, how much of your products? Maybe I don't know if you can provide a percent, but of all the products that you provide, like how many would you say are actually made by a Darren or a subsidiary of Darren, and how many are from like other sellers and manufacturers, like Herpa, Gemini Jets, JC Wings, etc. Sixty percent of the product that we sell nowadays is completely controlled by our company. Obviously, Gemini Jets is a big brand for us, and Herpa is a big brand for us.、Uh, we also carry other brands like Corgi, and we recently started carrying Hobby Master, which is a military line. So there's a lot of sales in the collectibles that are brands that we have partnerships with and distribution with, but we don't control the subject matter so much.、Mm-hmm. So it's probably about 60 to 65 percent of our sales are product that we control 100 percent. On your on your website,、um, you have tons and tons of products from other manufacturers, but one manufacturer or like business that I see less models and products from is JC Wings. Is there a specific reason why there's like very few? Um, products from JC Wings. There are several factors involved in why we don't carry other brands that are on the market.、Um, number one, the fact that they do not have license agreements with a lot of the subject matter that they come out with.、Mm-hmm. So they may come out with models that we would get in legal trouble immediately with the licenses that we currently have. So if they release a British Airways model, for instance, we couldn't carry it because British Airways would threaten to tell us we can't produce British Airways models anymore because we're carrying a brand that's not officially licensed. So JC Wings did have a lot of that as a brand. They do have a lot of models on the market that we could not carry.、Uh, there was a lot of other factors, including honestly profit margin and sales. So 
Um, there wasn't enough of the demand at the time that we decided to stop carrying JC wings because the ones they were coming out with that people wanted the most were the ones that legally we would have an issue with. And being here in the United States and being that all our license agreements um, are very easily controlled by U.S. courts, it's very difficult for us to, to represent anybody that's not doing things legally. Um, so this is more of a personal question, but do you have a personal favorite airplane model or product of Daron that you think is, you know, your personal favorite? Um, I mean, I've always liked Skymark because that was really our first brand that we carried um, that was our control 100%. Uh, Posted Stamp is a brand that we that I've been heavily involved with since we took over the producer for that. Uh, Aircraft-wise, I'm, I'm not an aviation enthusiast. I've come to appreciate and have a very extensive knowledge of real airplanes. My favorite air, commercial airplane would be the L-1011. I think it was an absolutely beautiful aircraft. Me too, me too. That's, that's really cool. I, I am a big fan of the L-1011 as well. I'm very sad to see it leave service uh, back in 1999. I actually saw one of the last Delta L-1011s that ever flew. Uh, when I was in Puerto Rico uh, getting off a cruise ship, we were at the airport and we packing. And I knew it was only going to be in service something like another seven to ten days at that point. And that was the last time I ever saw a live L-1011 flying. So I have appreciation for some of the older aircraft, the 707s and the l 11s Not so much because I flew on them personally, because um, I didn't fly a lot as a, as a younger person. My parents mostly drove places when we were children. So I didn't take too many flights until I was an adult, which was more of modern airplanes like 757s and 767s than it was the older airplanes. Uh, but I do have an appreciation for the older aircraft. Uh, I've actually never um, seen an L-1011 flying because I was obviously born after that. But that's so cool that you got to see one of the last Delta ones. I would I would kill for that experience. Um, all right, let's moving on. Um, are there any like big challenges uh, in designing, manufacturing, or marketing these toys and models? And how how does um, Daron like overcome these challenges? How much time goes into actively having to produce the model and the resources, and how much expense goes into tooling or uh, research and development of the model, that's the biggest challenge. So what people don't understand is how much actually has to go into the process. So you have to create artwork, you have to create tooling, you have to get approvals, you have to um, produce samples, packaging, um, minimum quantities of each model. So it, it's, it's quite a cumbersome process. It's not something you can just do very easily. So I think it, that's probably the biggest challenge is the amount of resources and time that has to go into each individual process. Got it. Obviously, uh, Daron is like a market leader in this industry, um, and like everywhere I go, I see Daron toys. So, what do you? Th- why do you think? Um, you know, you guys are the market leader, and you know, like, uh, what is the biggest difference between you and other people in this industry that makes you guys so great? Quality. Um, we, mm-hmm. we take very much pride in trying to produce a, a quality product, something that represents the true airplane, uh, a toy that you know a child can play with, and it's going to last. And, and work well, um, be fun to play with. So we, we look at quality really as our number one reason why we carry anything. Um, we try to improve the quality over time as well. So if we see that there is any kind of feedback that is negative, um, we try to address that on the next production run. So if somebody says the color isn't quite accurate in a model or uh, a toy may have on a first production uh, the batteries don't last. We will communicate that with the factory and say you need to use better quality batteries. So we do spend a lot of time listening to the feedback of the consumer and addressing anything that may come up. I mean, it's very minor. It's usually nothing that we have to worry about. But we right. do listen to the people and what that- they have to say about the product. And we do pride ourselves in trying to produce a very good quality product for a very fair price. 
that's great to hear because I've actually been playing with um, Daron toys and later started collecting the models and I've never had a single Daron product break while I have had some other models um, break but yeah no I can I definitely see that you guys do value quality and I think that's a great thing for the consumers. You said you've been in this industry for a while so how have you seen toy manufacturing and technology in the toy manufacturing business like change over the course of your career and what trends are you noticing for the future? Um, I definitely think that the manufacturing side of the business has become much more complicated. Um, I know that the cost of manufacturing has gone up and has been a challenge as you may know from the pricing that you mm -hmm. see on a Gemini Jet or a Herpa model that the pricing over time has increased because the labor costs and the manufacturing costs and the licensing costs have all increased over time. Um, but, you know, we deal with mostly static products, which does not have much functionality. Over time, there has been some improvements. Gemini has made models that have more functionality. Herp has made some models that have some more functionality where you can open up the Beluga and, you, you know, have other features. So that's really recently more of the things have been like having models with flaps down and flaps up and models with working cargo doors. So some of that has been, I guess, asked for by the collector. When we started out, the models weren't nearly the, the quality they are today. So I'm not talking about um, necessarily the glue, but I'm talking about the accuracy of the model itself and the functionality of the model itself has improved over time. So back in the day, Shabak was a 1-600 scale decaled model. Herpa was the first one that came out with CAD machine printed models. The 500 scale Herpa models had rolling gear, and now they have more accurate static gear. So there's been a lot of change in the quality and accuracy of the collectible versus what it was 20 or 25 years ago. The toy business has been more, um, not so much technologically driven because uh, it's like to play with a toy that makes lights and sound, and there's really not much more you can do with it than, than that. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, so speaking of like um, packaging and making the product and marketing it, what goes into like uh, the marketing and the packaging for a new toy launch and how do you guys like advertise it and get the word out and get people like buying your product? Well, we have such a long established relationship in the market that um, we look at product from a basis of whether or not we think it can sell in the channels that we sell to. So if it's a space item or it's a uh, model of an airplane that can sell, we will sometimes run by some of our key accounts like, hey, what do you think of this? This would be the pricing structure of the model the toy and we get some feedback and a lot of times we'll even get the customer going please make this we really want this for our program so it really is the breadth of how many customers we do business with and who and our reputation that allows us to um, get the word out pretty quickly once we launch an item so we send out our catalog annually both on a retail and a wholesale level we have sales people in the toy industry that we have that you know also talk to their customer bases and of course, the internet certainly helps a great deal versus back when we first founded the company where you had to physically mail people material. You didn't have the internet to help you sell or promote products. So social media lately on, especially the airplane shop, has been extremely important. Um, we put out a lot of videos. We have, I think, several videos that have even made hit the million view mark on TikTok. So it, right, yeah. No, you know, I, gets... I do follow you guys on social media. So we've really tried to ramp up the last three years our social media presence uh, for new product as well as new product launches. Um, whether or not it pushes the needle for actual sales, I think people like to watch videos more than maybe than like to actually buy the product sometimes, but mm -hmm. um, it definitely gets the word out. We've definitely seen an increase in a younger audience coming into our retail stores that are, are aviation enthusiasts that never heard about us before. So I think the social media aspect of it certainly gets the word out. But the, the internet, the website, the you know email marketing uh, is easier to do a product launch than it was back in the day when you actually had to print material and mail it to thousands of customers to get a response.
uh, would you say like that's been a major um, cost cutting like factor because now you don't have to print like thousands, maybe millions of like uh, magazines and stuff? Like, would you say that's um, cut some costs to some extent? I think it's cut out on the advertising costs, honestly. I don't think it's cut out on the catalog or the distribution cost of the catalog because we still send it physically out to our customers every year about the same number of customers. We don't do as many mailings as we used to on the airplane stop when we were first starting out because everything was mail orders. So we had to send out catalogs to mailing lists. We had to send out catalogs to consumers on a regular basis to get a response. So it has cut down on the postage and some of the printing costs of the number of catalogs we had to produce per year. But the advertising where we used to have to advertise in all kinds of aviation magazines to try to drive customers. Now we can do Google advertising and get like probably 10 times for our value in digital advertising than we did in print advertising. So um, what are some of the companies like most popular and most beloved toys and models amongst children or collectors? Like what has have you seen done well as a trend in the past? Like I said, kids buy what they see. So anything right. that they see, if, they, if they've flown on a JetBlue A320, they want a JetBlue A320. My children have a JetBlue single plane from Dayron uh, that they play with because we, go, we fly JetBlue when we go to Disney World every year. So right. a lot of kids will, will start out that way where their parents will get them something as a souvenir. So it really is what people buy what they see. New airline launches sometimes will allow uh, for a product to really have some use to it. So if you have Freeze Airlines and it's a new airline, a lot of times people will be seeking out that new airline because it's never been done before. Um, but you know the toys sell pretty much based on panels that we have them in. New York City does very well with us with the FDNY and NYPD in New York City MTA licenses because they're souvenirs and, and the people will actually um, buy the model because they went on vacation to New York City. That actually makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask uh, more about like, in terms of the airplane shop and like uh, the airline side of it, like which, um, I don't know if you're not allowed to name any, but which airlines or aircraft like specifically uh, do do the best? Basically coordinated with what people fly on the most. So your biggest oh, okay. passenger capacity airlines, Southwest, Wakanda. British Airways, you know, the major airlines with the most airplanes and the most destinations certainly are going to see your sales higher. Um, that's, that's always the most popular. Wide body airplanes. So what do you personally enjoy uh, most about working in for a toy company in the toy industry? And what are some of the most rewarding aspects of being in this industry? I've always driven myself on, on sales, trying to improve and increase sales in each of our product lines. So we do set some benchmarks for what we want to sell per year and what we want to increase in business. And I'm very heavily involved in that reporting aspect of the company's um, success when it comes to each of the product lines and how they're performing. So it's always been something of my enjoyment of, of the statistical analysis, looking at, like you're saying, what's selling, what's not selling, mm-hmm. and making decisions on what we need to make in the future. And, and when, when a model does sell that you chose and said we could do this and, and it does do well, that and I take a little bit of a pride that I had something to do with that. Yeah. So that basically sums up all of my questions for you. And I'm really thankful that you took this time to speak to me a, a little bit about this. I personally am a model collector, so it's great to get a little uh, more of an inside peek on what happens behind the scenes. And um, is there anything else you want to let the li- listeners know? I mean, we, we really appreciate your support of our products in the industry and Airplane Stop as a brand, as well as our, our main brands of Skymark, Post, Stamp, Herbert, Demon, I just Hogan. Um, and day run toys. So we really appreciate everybody's support and your positive feedback. And we hope that you enjoy our product as we feel everybody does. Um, and specifically, what products are your favorites of ours? Uh, I personally uh, enjoy the, the Eastern Airlines L1011. That's, um, I 
I have that in my case, like in my glass case right now, and that's one of my favorites, the Herpa one to five hundred scale. Yeah. And um, I would have to say uh, your Air India seven four seven dash two hundred, also the Herpa one to five hundred, because seven four seven is like my second favorite aircraft, and Air India is a airline of pride for me since I myself have flown on Air India many times. So those two would have to be my two favorite from your Great. shop. Have you ever visited one of our stores? Yeah, I've actually been to your New Jersey location a multitude of times, and uh, I enjoy the hospitality I see every time I go there. We appreciate that. And stop by anytime, and anybody who wants to come on by, we're open Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 10 to 4 in the New Jersey location, and similar hours in Las Vegas and Miami. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. No, thank you so much.